Hey, DJ Flook here from Stadium Scenes Main Event. Networking has become more important than ever, so why are you still carrying around paper business cards that end up lost or in the trash? Our friends at Link have created a solution to that problem by getting your contact info directly into that person's phone with a simple tap from your plastic business card, a bracelet, or even an Apple Watch band. When it's time to update your contact info, make the change in their easy-to-use networking app. For listeners of Stadium Scenes Made Event, you can save 15% by typing in promo code StadiumScene, that's all one word, at checkout. To learn more, visit linkapp.com. That's L I N Q A P P.com. Today's Stadium Scene Podcast is brought to you by. Hey, DJ, remember that time you booked the crappy hotel and it was full of roaches? Uh, no. Oh, well, if you aren't careful, you could end up in a hotel like that. What are you talking about? When you want to book a great hotel at a great price, be sure to check out booking.com. Be sure to check out stadiumscene.com forward slash booking for daily specials. Are you doing a commercial? Wow. Way to catch on now. Welcome to the 8th Stadium Scene Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Fluck, uh, fresh off the uh, end of the invasion of scorpions in Phoenix. Along with me, as always, is Kate Thompson outside of Chicago and Jillian Fisher outside of Boston. So we're going to go ahead and get started right away today because we're kind of on a, a limited time crunch. So I happen to be looking at my phone this weekend a <laughs> couple times. And uh-oh. It, yeah, yes, uh-oh is right. So, it was Snapchat, it was Instagram, and it was the ESPN page on Facebook. They all three had something in common this weekend outside of the Stanley Cup Finals, but a video and a picture involving a certain person who might or may not be on this podcast, and a, <laughs> and a fish. Oh, <laughs> Yes, it was you, Kate, right? Yes. Tell us the story. Yes. Go yes, ahead. Kate, I, want no more attention. No. I want no more attention. I want no more attention. <laughs> you, you, you knew you weren't getting away with having to discuss this. No, I knew it because everybody wanted attention. And so I went, uh, fun fact, fun fact about this, uh, Little's Fish Company in Nashville, uh, they actually were giving catfish away with your proof of ticket. So you went there and you showed them your ticket. They gave you a catfish. So you know what that means, right? They are expecting people to take a catfish. And when you got your catfish, they took a picture with you and the catfish because they wanted to see it later on the ice. Um, And my initial plan was just to go take it out of the bag because they put it in a nice plastic bag for you. And just to take it out of the bag and just like quick snap a picture right in front of Bridgestone. Uh, Well, I'm just thinking, would you like that wrapped yeah, <laughs> well, no, they, they wrap it automatically. Like, they put it in a bag for you. Like, they take care. And they cut off. So, actually, like, most fish, they have barbs on them. So, like, they have to cut those off so that you don't get hurt. Uh, like, right on their fins. Yeah, I can see And uh, so, um, again, it was just, let me just take this fish out real quick, grab a quick photo with it, and put it right back in the bag. And, like, we're right out. So, every picture that you saw of Nashville, like, that's kind of where I was. Like, that right in front of Bridgestone. And somebody saw, like, as soon as I took it out, the guy in the mask, um, you've probably seen pictures of him. He was in a lot of the pictures with me. 
And he was like, ooh, can I hold it? And I was like, absolutely. And then cameras started showing up. And then it was like, and then it was like 30 minutes before the game started. And I was like, and I still have this fish out here. It is warm, no longer slimy. And people were kissing it. People went, like, it was just, I think because, yeah. The smell was was, probably. Oh, it was hard. It was horrible. Horrible. It was, uh, and I, I think I said I, I had to go back and shower after because, like, I had wet wipes that we were handing out to people. But like, when you're holding a fish, a catfish, like it's just a, a literal dead catfish for several hours, there's just no way to get that off of you without showering. So, so did, did you eat fish before this event? <laughs> I did not, and I don't know if I can eat. Yeah, catfish that's what now. I was, it was wondering. Just... <laughs> it's like, is it like scared you away from fish for the rest of your life? Well, like, just because it was so warm when I was done with it, like, it was just, it was, I mean, it was hot and humid in Nashville. Um, I think my favorite part of the day, though, was, so I was walking on Broadway, and I just, this was, like, four hours before the game started, and it was amazing how many people were already down there, and I just was trying to get to a bar where, where, like, I could hear myself think, because they had lots of live music and everything, and I just needed, I needed a couple of minutes just to compose myself. And I go in, I'm sitting at the bar and who walks in but Jeremy Roenick. And I, you know, I say hi, meet him. And then I, I go get seated. And don't you know, like he gets seated right next to me. And I'm like, okay, don't be creepy. Don't be creepy. Because, you know, I just got a picture with him. I didn't want him to think I was being creepy. And I ended up like whipping out this catfish because there were these two elderly women who had come down from Montreal to watch PK Subban. And like we talked about the catfish. And I was like, oh God, Jeremy Ronnie probably thinks I'm such a psycho. <laughs> so he's going to be on our next episode, right? Yeah. <laughs> we can try. We can try. So, so, and then towards the end of the weekend, when I saw the ESPN story with your, your picture on the front of it, it also featured a video from the Nashville Predators coach, Peter Laviolette. If I said, I think it's uh, yes. Yes, you said it right. Did, that, that's did, how you said his name. Did that did that feel like a gut punch when you saw that video? I mean, he said <laughs> that he was talking about throwing towels. I don't know if you guys saw the incident I, with uh, Malkin. Yes, I did, where he raised his stick to the fan. That was unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it definitely also was they were trying to tone. I mean, there wasn't that many catfish that got thrown on the ice uh, on the, the game I was there. I think there was like four or five, which... When I was there in um, for the Western Conference Final, there was, I think, more thrown in the Western Conference Final um, than there were the game I was there, from what I remember. Um, so it's it's not easy to sneak them in. It's a slimy, smelly process. So <laughs> kudos to the person that got it in with a top hat and a stuffed penguin in its mouth and came for <laughs> But it didn't feel like a gut punch. It felt like Peter Laviolette was told to do this, and he was doing it. Uh, but if I had a feeling, if he, if Peter Laviolette was, if he had a choice to do it or not do it, I don't think he would have. I think I, I he would, would have said, "Yeah, let him have fun." And now, if they lose the Cup Finals, now he has to be fired. No, oh gosh, no, <laughs> Peter Laviolette. Only if he comes back to Philly. Only if he comes back. <laughs> he, he had a pretty good run in Philly. He, he had his one pretty good year. run. Hey, you know, and he had a pretty good run in in uh, Carolina. He won him a cup there. He, he, he got did. the Flyers two wins away, and he's two wins away with, again. With Michael so. Layton as their goalie. Michael Layton. Whew. 
you know, up I, against Crawford. Oh no, it was against Anti Niemi. Was yes, who it was. the goalie was so one hit wonder Anti Niemi. I don't know if he should one hit. Hey, you know what? One hit. Even if he was a one hit wonder, he won him a cup. That's what matters. That's right because the. Blackhawks goalie going into the year was Cristobal Huey, who they had like way over-signed two years before yeah. uh, because the Blackhawks owner, Bill Wirtz, who was notoriously cheap and was nicknamed Do- <laughs> Dollar Bill, passed away and his son took over and he's like, I don't yeah. want this train wreck. And he so he left it to his brother, Rocky, and well, we, you know, we know what happened from then on out. But yeah. <laughs> Rocky went out to Dale Talon, who was the, the GM at the time, and said, start spending money. we got to get this team better in a hurry, and we got to get the, the team on TV because only their away games were on TV before. And yeah. Yeah, it was a disaster. And so they signed Cristobal Huey to a ridiculous contract. Uh, it was probably, like, one of the highest contracts ever given to a goalie outside of, you know, that ridiculous 15-year contract that uh, – Mike Milbury gave to Rick DiPietro for the Islanders. Yeah. That yep. really paid off well for them. They got maybe like two and a half years out of them, maybe over. Maybe. <laughs> but all right, on the you know, on the, the final note for this, uh, uh, actually probably not the final note, but on the, the note of the catfish, I have to say going back in time, my favorite playoff year of throwing things on the ice was the 96 Florida Panthers. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the rubber rats. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I was going to say, DJ, why don't you take the lead on this one and explain to those who might not know. So so the Florida Panthers, they had a, uh, you know, kind of a roster they threw together. And I mean, there were some good players on that team. I'm trying to you know, think back, you know, John Van Beesbrook was the goalie, and, and you know, I'm trying to, th- I'm really drawing a blank. Yeah, you know, Ed Jovanowski was on there, Scott Mellenby, there, you know, there were some pretty good, Rob Niedermeyer was on there, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they had a, it was a pretty good team that they, they pieced together, and they had this miracle run in the playoffs where they upset the heavily favored Penguins in the East Finals that year, but, you know, anytime they scored a goal, and I have no idea when, when it started exactly, but when they scored a goal, the fans would just start throwing these rubber rats on the ice. And So the reason they started throwing the rubber rats, uh, at one point in the locker room, uh, there was a rat that ran through at a press conference, and a player, I forget who it was, but actually killed it with his stick. <laughs> and... And it kind of took off from there. So that's kind of how so, it starts. So, so, like, they'd, the Panthers would score a goal, and then they'd have to stop the game for 15 minutes while they go and yeah. clean off, like, hundreds of rats off the ice. And, you uh, know, yes. you'd, you'd always, like, they got to the finals, and they ultimately lost a, uh, a really good Colorado team that year. And, you know, like, they'd score a goal, and you'd see Patrick Waugh duck back into his net and just, like, cower oh, yes. as they're pelting these rubber rats. And, uh... And I remember towards the end, they got smart with it, and they got Orkin, the pest control company, yeah. to sponsor it. <laughs> so when the ice crew came out to pick up all the rats, the big buckets they'd bring out on the ice had Orkin logos all over it. I'm like, that is some marketing genius right there. Oh, yes. There's The, the NHL playoffs, though, have some really strange traditions all in all, is the moral of this story. That is true. Yeah, octopus, catfish, rat, rubber rats. Black cats, maybe not being thrown on the ice, but black cats running around in arenas and whatnot. 
Do they still do the rats? I mean, it's been a while since the Panthers have consistently made the playoffs. Do they still do the rats, or is that kind of... So they did it not last season. Maybe it was last season they did it. Um, they did at a certain point. Uh, when they were in the playoffs in 2014, I believe that was the year that they went to Game 7 against the Devils. They still do it. Um, I do know that they're trying to... Uh, Force, just like they do in Nashville, like you know, the NHL fun police show up and they're like it's a delay of game, and it's like, okay, I get why it's a delay of game, but let them have like maybe make it an organized somehow, somehow. Like so. uh, it was in um, Florida, they actually handed out a bunch of rubber rats. I think it was 2014. They handed them out, and then they were surprised that people threw. Them oh the yeah, ice. it was so. I, I uh, a few years back, this is like 10 years ago now. Um, I went to a Cubs game, and the handout that day was a Cubs travel coffee mug, and we were late because we, I don't know, got turned around, and so we were late. And I got there, and they were out of Cubs mugs, and I was really mad about it because I really wanted my Cubs travel coffee mug, even though I don't yeah. do coffee. That's that's the ironic part here. Um, but I, I love the free giveaways that you get when you go into the stadium. So around the seventh inning or so, this is like right after, like a day or two after the Carlos Zambrano dugout fight. Um, and so, you know, the Cubs are kind of reeling and they spent all this money to try to get the team better and they're struggling. And there was a close play at third off of a wild pitch and the, you know, the player got thrown out. And the third base coach started yelling at the umpire and, and Lou Pinello was managing, who everyone knows his history with umpires and getting thrown out of games and throwing bases and kicking dirt. He comes storming out of the dugout, and I'm just like, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is this is the big one. Comes out, and he goes right up to the umpire, starts screaming in his face, and he slams his hat right down at the umpire's feet and gets tossed. And the place was electric. I, I had never seen it that crazy before. But then yeah. it turned around, and everybody in the bleachers threw their coffee mug out onto the field. And the they were playing the Braves, and the oh Braves players God. had to take cover in the dugout. And I'm just yeah. thinking to myself, uh, well, yeah, you know, I, I show up, I don't get a coffee mug, and now you know, there's 8,000 coffee mugs scattered across the outfield that are going in the trash now. Awesome. So I was, I was kind of upset about that, <laughs> but, but it, uh, yeah, yeah it, you know, it, it was still cool. I, I took a video of it with my crappy little digital camera, and I put it up on YouTube, and I, I, I had just looked at it the other day. It got 189,000 views. I was pretty excited. I, I couldn't oh, wow. That. Yeah, so there you go. So, uh, uh, and, and shout out to my former roommate, Mike Phillips, whose mother uh, got the tickets for us. So, shout out to him if you're listening. So, moving on, Kate has a story, an interesting story about a beer vendor in Milwaukee. So, Kate, it's over to you. Okay. So, today I was not doing my day job and reading the news, and I came across an article. <laughs> That was all about a guy in Milwaukee who is pushing for Brewers fans to start buying stuff from the street vendors, rather, or not the street vendors, but the <laughs> vendors in the stands. <laughs> Buy from the street vendors. <laughs> One of the guys, the vendors, who walks through the stadium, he's come up with this concept of drinks in the seat. What he's doing is he's putting up billboards, he's fighting, because I didn't know this until I read the article. Um, 
the beer vendors and the guys in the stands actually get paid on commission. And they have to buy the product they're selling before they go out. I did not know so that. I didn't either. So it is kind of a double-edged sword. If they lose their beers, if they get stolen, if they give out freebie, they they're spill them. They trip on the stairs and spill them everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I just didn't know that. So that would explain why he's pushing so hard to be like, hey, guys, buy stuff from us in the stands because we really want um, to work with you. I kind of feel and- bad now, actually, No, not realizing this. Like, all, all the years that I've drank, I always would get my beer on my way to my seat. And then on the way back from the bathroom, I'd come back with my next one and my next one and my next one. And then I'd call Lyft for a ride home because I'm responsible. (laughs) Well, I also read that, like, Miller Park in particular, they have just put in a um, craft beer area that's on the concourse. So people are going to there rather than buying from the vendors. So that's really what pushed him to this point of advertising that you should be buying from the vendors. And, yeah, like I said, I didn't know, and now I kind of feel bad. I do, too. I'm going to Chase Field on Saturday, actually. I think I'm going to have to buy from the beer vendor. If I could buy beer from a beer vendor, I would, but being celiac, I can't drink beer, unfortunately. (laughs) Same with all the other vendors, like the peanut vendors, the cotton candy vendors. So if you want to support one of them. I think here's my concern with this, though. So when I think about sporting events, a lot of what they're pushing for is not just you sitting in your seat. They're pushing you to go and hang out at a party deck or they're pushing the atmosphere of a game. And it it makes me a little bit worried for these vendors because less and less time is being spent in, in your seats. I mean, maybe for like the big, big games, but anymore, they're really pushing. Like if you go to the Colorado Rockies Stadium, Coors Light, um, you know, the the big thing they have there is that general admission party deck area that honestly, when you're up there, you don't need, need to go to your seat if that's where you're if that's where you end up. And so it does make me a little nervous to see what could happen with the vendors, because it seems like we have a changing, like a changing culture around sporting events. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty unfortunate. Yeah. And at, at Chase Field, I, I sit up in the 200 level, which is like right next to the suite area. And they have the the Audi Club there. And you know, if you get there early enough, you can grab a table by the field and you never go to your seat and you can order beer right there. And, and yeah, you never, never see your seat. Uh, it's, it is unfortunate. Um, but here, here's another thing I've, I've been thinking about these vendors that I've never been able to get a straight answer from anybody on. You're supposed to tip your beer vendor. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, I did. I did not know. So yeah. I would have told you no. Because <laughs> I, I, I've heard both ways, and and that you are, and you aren't, and and you are if you are a good person, and and you know it's like a waiter. I mean, yeah, in a lot of ways it is like a waiter, except you didn't tell them to bring you food. You just were coming with you with food and, and beer. So I guess the next question, Kate, is how much do you tip them? Well, I'm gonna put it this way. So think now that we know all these facts behind the scenes, this guy is going, buying your beer, 
Then he's walking around looking for someone to buy the beer. And then he pours it into a glass for you. I see that kind of like a bartender. So when I buy beer, I do $1 per drink, which is what I would tip a normal bartender. That's that's what I would agree. That's that's fair. That's about what I would tip. But I did read that some people, if they're buying in bulk, are not doing that, but it's looked down upon by the vendors. If I'm buying in bulk, it's even more work for them. Yeah, so it's right. like you better. <laughs> yeah, you start handing beers and change, exchanging cash, and yeah. So there we go. I think we should officially declare that you know a buck or two tip to your beer vendors. Buy from your beer vendors coming through the seats. They work hard, so you can enjoy the game and not have to miss anything. Now, if I only I could use the restroom without having to leave my seat, that would solve so many more problems. <laughs> <laughs> it's so not to be solved. Well, well, you know, in certain ballparks and certain rowdy seating areas, I'm sure some people do use the restroom without leaving their seats, but that's for another day. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely a conversation for another day. <laughs> okay. So, oh, on that note, uh, going back to the uh, rat story in Florida. Uh, our wonderful researcher just handed me a piece of paper that says that the story of the rat goes back to October 8th, 1995, prior to a game against the Calgary Flames. A rat appeared in the Florida Panthers locker room in the old Miami arena. Former Panthers captain Scott Mellenby jumped up, grabbed a stick, and smacked the pesky rodent against the wall and made PETA angry. That story didn't really say that, but I'm making an assumption. Uh, so, so later that night, Mellenby scored two goals, leading the, to the uh, the Panthers goalie John Van Beesbrook to quip, he scored a rat trick. And then after that, a couple fans started showing up with rubber rats and throwing them on the ice when they'd score, and it grew from there. So there you go. That is the origin of the legend of the year of the rat in Florida. So final segment today, Kate has worked up another round of trivia for us. Woo! And this time, you're going down. I'm going to win. <laughs> I can't keep I wonder losing. if DJ Lert loses a third time, if he's just going to give up on this segment. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here, my arms crossed, even though you can't see me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what is the uh, the topic and the word for the day? The, the ring-in word. Okay. So, the topic is NASCAR. All right. Oh, God, I'm going to lose this, actually. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> and the word of the day is vroom vroom. Vroom vroom? Like vroom vroom. Vroom vroom. Yeah. Okay, like like the noise they made, like vroom vroom. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I always said, like, pit stop or something. But okay, vroom yeah. vroom. <laughs> hey, no, vroom vroom is way more embarrassing. All right, so. it's your game. I get it. You get to decide. Okay, fine. Vroom vroom it is. All right, let's do this. Okay, so the first question of today. What does it mean to have a tight race car? Vroom, vroom. DJ. It make, means that you're, you, uh, it makes steering difficult that you can't turn your car as easily. Perfect. Yeah! Yeah. Did not know that. <laughs> okay, next question. While we all know SCUBA stands for Self-Contained Underwater Breathing Apparatus, not many people realize NASCAR is an acronym as well. What does NASCAR stand for? Uh, Vroom Vroom. Oh, I'm going to get this wrong, though. It's uh, North American Stock Car 
racing? Uh, you're sort wait, of there, but no. Wait, what did, wait, what did you say? North American stock car racing. Uh, I, uh, no. Uh, so wait, it's not North America? No. Is it like, um. I'm ashamed of myself. National? Is that my. You're getting warm. I, no uh, hints. That's not fair. Is it? Is it stock car? Like, is, is everything else right? So I just need to figure out the A? Don't yeah. care. No! <laughs> <laughs> We're teaming right, up fine. against you. Nobody, nobody gets it. Nobody gets it. Okay, it's National, National Association, Association for Stock Car Racing. Stock car. Uh, oh. you were, I would say, DJ, you were close enough. You can have that point. Oh, no, I don't get points. I didn't get it. He her. doesn't need pity points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, she's trying to make me lose if you haven't figured it out. I have, and I love it. <laughs> So, third question. While the Coca-Cola 600 is the longest NASCAR race, which track has the longest distance in a lap? Uh, vroom, vroom. TJ? Is it Daytona? Nope. No! I know. All right, is it Dover? No. No, it's probably, uh, uh it's, uh, it's Talladega, isn't it? Yeah, Talladega no. Super ah. Speedway at 2.66 miles per lap. Whoa. Okay, fourth question. Is this Jimmy for Jones is this for all the money? Is this for all the money? I technically like, have five, but we can kill it at four. No, 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 we'll do five. No, no we'll do five. Okay. If, yeah, if we're she tied. Wa she wants a chance to win. <laughs> yep. Okay. Jimmy Johnson has the record for most consecutive NASCAR Sprint Cup Series championships with five. He does not hold the most championship wins. Two other drivers have both won seven times. Who are they? I know one for sure. Um, oh, vroom, vroom. I don't. It's, okay. It's Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. Yep. Yeah! Are you this stuff? What? No. He's got to be. Because I was going to say, Dale Earnhardt was my one guess, but I could not have told you the second Richard person. Richard Petty's the king. I've been going to NASCAR races since I was a little kid, uh, so I have to admit I should have gotten all of them right, but all right. Okay, Wait. and the final question. How many members are there in a NASCAR pit crew? Oh. What was that? What was that? How many members are in a NASCAR pit crew? Vroom, vroom, eight? No, you're so close. Uh, vroom, Damn vroom. DJ? Ten. You're even worse. Oh. <laughs> what is what, it's Wait, seven. What, what, do you define oh. as, what do you define as the pit crew, though? Is it the actual the people that are over the wall, or do you count the support people on the other side of the wall, too? I counted the front tire changer, the front tire carrier, the rear tire changer, the rear tire carrier, the jack man, which is just the most awesome name, the yeah. gas man, and the gas catch can man. Hey, listen, those gas cans are really heavy. Yeah, they are. That's yeah. the... Uh... And it's like it's just so quick that they have to be in and out of there in like ten, twelve seconds. If and yeah, like you know. if they get if they're going longer than twelve, it's it's a problem. It's like I can't even get my oil changed and my tires rotated in like three hours. You know, and these guys <laughs> are in and out in fifteen seconds. So it's like not not fair. I so, honestly think that pit stops were my favorite part of NASCAR. It's just they fascinated me the entire time. And just I like so much, so much can go wrong. It's incredible. Oh, yes. 
the the last Indy 500 I went to, Danica Patrick was still in Indy. I think that was her last year before she switched to NASCAR, and uh, she was doing all right. Uh, I don't think she was any in ever had a chance to win, but she had probably you know top five finish maybe. You know they're pretty late in the race, and she uh, she's in the pits, and a driver in front of her pulled out in front of her and cut her off and hit her car and broke the uh, the axle on one of the wheels and her car spun out. Oh, gosh. And, yeah, like late in the race. And so they pulled her back and they realized, like, your suspension's broken. You can't go back out there. And she gets out of her car with her helmet on and just starts walking down pit lane to go confront this driver. Oh, and, my gosh. And, yeah, and you just hear the crowd just getting nuts because we're going to see Danica Patrick just go and beat the crap out of this driver. And the camera view, I remember clearly, the camera view was focused on the driver, and he was getting his car worked on. And, like, I guess they got him – I think they got him back into the race. He got the, the least of it. And so they're working on his car, and all of a sudden she's walking down, and all of a sudden he flips his visor back down on his helmet as she's approaching – and right before she gets to the car, she's probably 10, 15 feet away, I would guess. This happened like 10 years ago, so I could be completely off. But right before, the head of security for IndyCar ser- the IndyCar series in a suit jumps over the wall and is walking next to her and basically saying, you don't want to do this, you don't want to do this. And finally, she veered off and, and climbed back over the wall, and there were loud boos everywhere that you know we didn't get to see the fight that we were all hoping for, but... Oh, that's a shame. I know. Because I feel like she's feisty. I feel like she could take some people. I want to say, like, Danica's mom or sister or somebody tried to jump over the wall, and she wasn't wearing a fire suit, and they, like, screamed at her, like, no, you will not get back over. So she immediately jumped back (laughs) over the wall again. It was was awesome. You know, a little disappointing in the end, but still, you know, just the buildup and anticipation of this uh, this driver walking down the pits, you know, this is nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman, just like a driver walking down the middle of the pits, getting ready to go beat up this driver who's still sitting in his car, but whatever, it didn't happen. So close, but so far. Yes. Speaking of so close, we have uh, just hit our limit here for today, so we need to actually start wrapping up the show. So uh, Jillian's going to be out of the country next week. Yeah, I'm leaving Friday morning, going to Mexico. Mexico. I'll, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be going to Indianapolis next week, actually. So I'm actually going to go and take a tour of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, awesome. Yes. Last time I was there, I was like in fifth grade, and I didn't really care or appreciate it. I was just happy that we were out of school on a field trip. So today, you know, this time we'll go through and actually look at the stuff. So Nice. So, Kate... You're still, uh, you're leaving too? Yeah, I'm going to Yellowstone tomorrow. Tomorrow. Woohoo! That's yeah. awesome. Don't let, don't get lost, don't get in the hot springs, and don't get eaten by a bear. Why does everyone keep saying those three things to me? Because all three things happen, have happened at Yellowstone, <laughs> so. Okay. I, I would think that the hot springs one would be not as, uh, common. Well, I mean, some people have, like, accidentally fallen. Like, they get too close, yeah. and they, like, don't even get close to them. Get a picture from far away. They smell anyways, so they smell yeah. like sulfur. That's gross. Yeah. So, on that wonderful note, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today. So, check us out, stadiumscene.com, stadiumscene.tv. 
Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest at Stadium Scene, and on Instagram at Stadium underscore Scene. So uh, we'll be gone for a couple weeks, but we'll be back here hopefully before the end of the month with another episode. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. When you're grilling, don't forget the most important thing, your sauces and rubs. If you get that wrong, your tailgate could be a total dud. To avoid that, order from our friends at BBQ Box. For $24.95 plus shipping and handling, you'll get a sauce or a marinade, a rub or a spice, a delicious edible like jerky, a sample package of premium wood chips, and a custom recipe from four-time barbecue world champion Myron Mixon, showing you what you can do with your BBQ Box. If you're ready to commit long-term, you can subscribe for $24.95 a monthly fee and get a different box every month. Cancel at any time. Go to stadiumscene.com forward slash BBQ and order your BBQ box today. stadiumscene.com forward slash BBQ.